And tonight, I want to share with you three things everybody should know. Now, these are three things you do already know. Okay, these are things, but I'm just reminding you because there's sometimes we know something, but we maybe not really, really know it. For instance, Josh is a fireman, okay? Josh is on the volunteer police department. Josh knows about fire safety and dangers of fire and stuff like that. He knows that if you're going to do a brush fire, you don't need to use gasoline, okay? Because of the fumes. The fumes go up. They can stick to your clothes. They can stick to your skin. You don't need to use gasoline. You should use, you know, young smoky bears. You know, you should use some, some uh, kindling, some paper, maybe some lighter fluid, but not gasoline. But Josh, the trained fireman, used gasoline. And his uh, burn pile uh, got on fire, but also his leg caught on fire. And if you've not seen his leg, he has got a very nice big burn, uh, painful, and we get to tap on it every once in a while and make him scream and stuff. But now Josh really, really knows you don't start a fire using gasoline. He knew it before, but now he really, really knows it. So I want to share with you a few things tonight, just remind you of a few things tonight that as living the Christian life, we really, really need to know. A lot of times when I preach, I try and go through a passage of Scripture and used to teaching young people, you know, if I, okay, I can stop here, I can stop here. So I try and jam too much together. So I thought tonight, I'm just going to share with you just if, 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 I, if tonight's my last night and I'm leaving you, and it could be, you never know, I'm at the house by myself, it's just me and Josh, who knows what might happen. Um, this is my last night. This is what I would want you to know. Somebody starting out in the Christian life, this is one thing I feel like it's important that we know and that we get. And the first point that I want you to understand is just the word God. The word God. You are a God. Matthew five, fourteen through 16 says, You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl and said they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are a light. We are to be a city set on a hill. When people see us, they need to, to follow us. A verse we don't have, Matthew five sixteen says, Let your light shine so before men that they may see your good deeds. And when they see your good deeds... They give glory to the Father in heaven. They're pointed to Jesus Christ. That's why we're to be a light. You know, Jesus referred to himself as the shepherd, and he's a model for us. And the shepherd, he leads the sheep to still waters. He leads them to green pastures. He leads them through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus told others, he said, follow me. We're to be people that other people follow. A lot of times professional athletes, you know, will say, oh, I wasn't called to be a role model. When, you went, when they went into professional sports, whether they wanted to or not, they're a role model. That's just part of it. And they can be one, as I heard somebody say, you can be like the buttons on an elevator. You can take people up with you or you can take people down with you. But you are some type of a God. I want you to watch. I love this commercial. I want you to watch this short little uh, video clip. You've seen it, but it just shows uh, about how others are watching and imitating. Find it? Yeah. All right. Another one, just like that. Right in the old bucket. Good toss. See, that's much better. That was good. You had your shoulder pointed, you kept your eyes on your target. Let's do it again. Watch me. Just like that one. The durability of the Volkswagen. Okay. You're a God. 
okay? And it may be, and people are watching you, and they may learn the wrong thing, or they may learn the right thing, but your life is a God to other people, and they're watching. God has appointed you. He has called you to be a God to others. Now, I'm going to whip through some passages of Scripture real quick, and I want you to see how intentionally uh, that God has called us and used us to, uh, to be gods. First of all, I do want us to see Matthew 18, 6. I don't want to run by that one too quickly. It says, If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's how serious God takes the guiding business. He says, You're a god, and you better be a good one. Because to lead somebody astray, a young believer, somebody that's lost and seeking Christ, to lead them astray, is a, I take that very, very seriously. So we need to understand the importance of our responsibility uh, to be a God. So these are the passages I'm going to whip through quick. So get ready. This isn't a Bethmore thing. If you don't get one down, it's okay. There's no penalties for this. But I want you to see God intentionally worked to bring you to be a God. First of all, in Psalms 139, 13 through 15, he says that he created our inmost being. He knit us together in the mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. God plans you. He designs you. He knits you together. You were no accident. You were in the thoughts of God, and he puts you together. And he had a specific role that he wanted you to play, and only you can play, and he knitted you together and created you for that purpose. But unfortunately, sin enters the world and we get separated from God. But again, God loves us so much. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He made us for a purpose, but sin caused us to be separate. But God entered in, sent his son Christ to reconcile us back to him because he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And once we come back together with him, Romans 8.38 and 39 says nothing is going to separate us from his love. We're his forever. There's no height. There's no depth. There is nothing that is going to separate us. Now we're on God's team, and he has a purpose and a plan for our lives, and that plan is to guide others. Galatians 2.20 shows how serious we need to take this. It says, we have been crucified with Christ. Life's no longer about you anymore. Life is now about Jesus Christ. We are to live. Christ is dwelling in us. The old us is die. Our, our plans, our purpose for life is no longer here. Christ is in us, and he's got a purpose, and he has a plan for your life. In Ephesians, um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20, not only does Christ, we're crucified with Christ, he comes to live us, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are where God has chosen to dwell. You are where God has chosen to let his light shine out from from your life. Ephesians 1 says that's the mark of ownership uh, is the Holy Spirit being in us. Ephesians four fifteen and 16 talks about the fact that uh, instead of speaking all the truth in love, we will in him grow up into him, I can't read, who is the head that is Christ. From him the body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up. Basically, you're the body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ, and you've got a special role in that body of Christ that nobody else can play. Okay, Christ indwells you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're part of the body of Christ. And now God has a role for you to play to be a God. And he doesn't just leave us out here empty-handed. He gives us provisions. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, 3 and 4, he talks about 
His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. The Holy Spirit, He uses the Word. The Word teaches us to, to guide us. It gives us everything that we need to live a godly life. If you go on to Galatians 5, 22 through 26, you're familiar with those passages. They just talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He has given us all of those things because those things, as they become more and more abundant in our lives, people see our light shining, and they're pointed to our Heavenly Father. It goes back to that Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine so before men. And as those fruits develop, as the deeds of the flesh decrease, 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 then Christ is more evident in our lives. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7 talks about the fact that this, this God business is difficult, but he says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And the last thing, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, just talks about the different fruits of the Spirit. Okay, when you come, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you are given fruits of the Spirit. So God has intentionally, from the beginning, he shaped you, he formed you for a purpose, and that purpose is for you to be his body, you to be the temple, for his light to shine out from among you. That's his purpose. That's his plan for your life. He gave you provisions to be able to do that. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to develop the fruits of the Holy Spirit. He is giving you a gift of the Spirit so that through those provisions, you are able to adequately guide others. So I want you to grasp the fact, the truth that I want you to know, the first thing, you are to be a God to other people. And I want you to think about who God may have placed in your life to help guide you, but also who has God placed around you that you need to be leading. That's why God's left us here. He's left us here to carry on his work. High school, college, adults, retired, God's left us here to guide others to Jesus Christ. All right, here's the second thing. This God business that we're doing, the path that we're going down, it's brief and it's difficult. Now, these are not happy verses, but this is just the truth. I'm going to flip through these verses real quick and then come back and talk about them. James 4.14 says, Why? You do not know, even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Psalms 103.15, talking about our life, says, As for a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows it over, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Our life is brief. Our life is short. John 16.33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in this world, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. The last one, Dr. Andy preached on this verse, uh, or mentioned this verse this morning, and it's just from the Beatitudes. It says, Blessed are you when people uh, are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it just goes in that, blessed are the persecuted. Here's what we need to understand. The road, Fumble, that we're going to guide people down is a difficult path. And I don't just mean difficult and it's steep. It's difficult and it's tough. People are going to get injured. People are going to get hurt. People are going to die along that path, and the path is brief. And we forget that a lot of times. And when we forget that, we get sidetracked in our guiding business. I want you to just think about this. If this black board here represents eternity, and let's take one little thing here, and that represents life on this earth. And really, that's too much, okay? It ought to be a speck within this speck within this speck within this speck to infinity, 
in comparison to eternity, represents our time here on earth. So no matter how much time we have on earth, whether we have a breath or whether we live to be 120 years old, in comparison to eternity, it's nothing. But if we're not real careful, we allow the length of life and tragedies that happen in life to get a sidetrack from that guiding business. And even though we say we're a people, I was just watching this afternoon, a guy that I know and a guy that I like, but he preaches real heavy on the, on the health wealth gospel, you know, not only a salvation promise, but also if, if you, know, you have things right, God also promises you. He promises you that 120 years. So I guess Stephen had it wrong. I guess Paul had it wrong. I guess Jesus had it wrong. I guess all the apostles had it wrong because they didn't all live to be 120 years old. They died a lot of times martyred and killed. So we got to be real careful when tragedy happens in life. We'll, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves start stating our case before God. But God, I've been faithful. But God, I've been in church. But God, I've done this and I've done this. And don't you see what these other people are like? And we'll start doing that. And we forget that he tells us in this life, you're going to have trouble. But you know what? All this, there's not going to be any trouble. But for one little speck within a speck within a speck, yeah, there is going to be trouble in this life. And we always need to keep that in perspective in dealing with life. Or we'll get angry, we'll get upset, we'll get mad at God. And I'm not saying, a lot of times with grief, that's normal. You go through a period of, of anger. You go through a period of questioning. But remember, he says, you're not to grieve like the rest of the world that is without hope. There comes a point when we step away from that. And we may say, God, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. But God, I'm trusting you in the midst of this. And we realize, yeah, for a speck, there's difficulty and there's pain. And people that I love leave us. And they die early. They die too soon. God made us relational people, people of love. So we're attached to people and we hate to see them go. But we always got to remember it's just a, tempor a temporary separation if they have a relationship with God. It's important because so many people, so many Christians... We allow things getting sidetracked in life, hurt, pain, setback, loss, tragedy, to get a sidetrack from what God has left us here to do. And so if I was telling the last thing, I would say, guys, expect in this life you're going to have some setbacks and some difficulties and some heartaches and some hurt. Don't quit. God didn't quit on you. Don't quit. Don't even take a break for a while. I mean, maybe to get your thoughts together, but then get right back at it. Take a time, set back, let God teach you, let him minister to you, but get right back in it. And here's the last thing that I'm going to throw out to you, okay? In this life, God's called you, you're to be a God. You're to God other people. He shaped you, he formed you, he's equipped you, he's empowered you for this purpose. The path that you're going to lead people down, it's a difficult path. It's a short path a lot of times. Keep that in mind as you're going through because, you know, it's going to soon pass. It's gonna, even if the pain's 20 or 30 years, it's going to soon be over. But it's a short path, but it's a difficult path. But the third thing I want you to take is God has a specific route, route, ever how you say it, for you to take. Okay? He's very specific. He has got some, it is a specific people in mind that he wants you to guide. There is a specific path that you are to take them down, that nobody else can take them down. He has designed and equipped you and prepared you for this purpose. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are the work of your hand. God 
has formed you specifically like nobody else. He has formed you and shaped you for a specific purpose that nobody else can do. And he says some are for noble purposes and some are for less noble purposes. But we're all shaped by the Father. We're all for a purpose. Some of us get five talents. Some of us get two talents. Some of us get one talent. We're not, you know, judged based on how many talents, but what we do with what we're given. And God has shaped every one of you in here for a unique purpose that nobody else can do. He's made me a spittoon. You know, I wish I could be fine china, but, you know, I'm a spittoon. But that's okay as long as I can be used in the service of God. He shaped us for a purpose that no one else can go down and take. He shaped certain people. He had to shape them to go to India. He shaped certain people to go to China. He shaped certain people to go to different parts of the country. He shaped certain people with different gifts and talents and abilities and likes. He's given certain people patience like Brandon who can counsel. He's given certain people like me who got a counseling degree. Find out real quickly, no, I don't have the patience for counseling and you don't want me to counsel you, okay? Um, There's other things I can do. But he shaped us all differently for different types of things. And like Josh and several of you guys are, are, are seniors or soon to be or whatever. And we think a lot of times about what's next academically. And you've been preparing for this and they prepare you through the years. And you've got to start taking the ACT in the second grade, you know, and start taking it through the years and taking vocabulary things. And we've got to get ready, got to get ready for school and everything. And we shape and we pray and we plan. So Josh is looking at, at, at different schools, thinking about what he wants to major in. But it's the same we need to in the church take the same approach to just like you need to be thinking about what school and what major and what you want to do with your life. We need to be thinking about what's God's plan for your life. What is it God has prepared and shaped you to do? And no matter what your age in my call the joy group, Luke Lewis is in it. And we were uh, talking and, you know, I said, Luke, God's, you know, Luke's, I don't know what he is, 50 something. But uh, I said, Luke, God's greatest work may come in the latter years of your life. I mean, God did that several times in Scripture. Don't think, as long as you're here and you're breathing and you're cognitive, God's not done with you. Your greatest work may be in front of you. But we need to think, just like as young people, you need to be thinking about what's God's spiritual plan and what's his purpose for my life. What does he want me to do? How does it, what's he shaped me for? That needs to be part of your thinking about where you go to college and what you do and what you major in. Maybe he wants you to be an engineer, but maybe he wants you to be an engineer in Portland, Oregon, where there's not as many churches and not as many Christians because they need good, good Christians up there and good teachers up there. And, and they need light up there in that part of the world. So often we think, what am I going to do? And I'm going to live within a three-hour radius of here, a four-hour radius. And maybe God's saying, hey, get it. And I need you to go to, uh, to Maine. I need you to go to North Dakota. I need you to go to uh, the Middle East. Doesn't mean you'd have to be a preacher, a teacher, a, 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 you know, a song leader or whatever. You can be whatever career you have, but be open. Okay, God, now where do you want me to go? And where do you want me to take this talent and ability? And where do you want me to serve you? We need to understand we're clay and let God shape us and let God use us. And God has a specific purpose, people that he wants you to guide here in Ruston, Louisiana while you're here. Family members, friends, coworkers. Wherever we go at all times, we're to be guides. At the grocery store, people are watching. The gas station, people are watching. At the ballpark, people are watching. When somebody makes a bad call on your sweet little grandkid, somebody is watching how you respond to that. 
when you go uh, wherever you go to hang out, people are watching. People are always watching what we do, and God has called us to be a God. Our, our charge, and I'm just going to throw these up there because you're familiar with these. In three verses, Acts 1.8 talks about that um, uh, when you receive power, we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth, which basically means Ruston, Louisiana, the United States, and all the world. We're to be his witnesses. Matthew 22, 37, 38 says we're to love God and love people. That's what our calling is. And then Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the Great Commission. That's the route we're all to take generally, but then God has a specific route that he has molded and shaped for you to take that nobody else can take. So as we close out, this is what I want you to think about. I want you to get a piece of paper or your phone. You can type in on your phone, okay? Uh, or I guess, you know, you can mark on the back of somebody sitting beside your shirt or whatever if you need to. But I want you to, if you can, I want you to write something down. It's going to be real simple. It's just for you. It's not for anybody else. I'm not going to call your name out and say, Ray, what'd you put? Well, it was here. But I want you to think, and real simple, I want you to think about one, two, three. I want you to think about one, two, three, and your calling to be a God. The first thing that I want you to think about is I want you to think about one person, one person that God is wanting you to God to come to know Christ. There ought to be, when you think about who is God using me to reach for Christ, there ought to be one person that comes to mind. Now, I'm not kicking you if, if it doesn't. If it doesn't, then what I want you to do is I want you to go home and pray. I want you to take this week and pray. And I want you to say, God, lay one person. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a co-worker, something, but some person that is not a Christian that God wants to work through you to bring to Christ. Now, again, when I talk about that person coming to Christ, it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be the one that goes up to them and necessarily you lay it all out and share the gospel. Maybe you will. But maybe you're the person that, you know, uh, I mean, Tristan got baptized this morning. Now, I don't know who all God, maybe God may have used some of y'all just being friendly. He came over to the youth group and y'all didn't pick on him and throw stuff at him and lock him in the closet. You know, you were nice to him. You were friendly to him. You know, Josh, you know, uh, I'm talking big Josh, you know, reached out to him. And so different people came together to reach out and to show that love. And you think in your own life. There were people that just came along that loved you, that encouraged you, maybe took you out to eat, maybe took interest, people behind the scenes playing. But I want you to think about one person. We've done the one campaign before, and that, that's a good concept. But we ought to always have one person on our mind. It could be two, it could be 20, but at least one person, specific name, that God wants to use you to help reach with the gospel of Christ. Who are you to be guiding to Christ? Here's the second thing, number two. I want you to be thinking about two people, two people, two Christians who along this difficult path, they've got stuck, they've got sidetracked, maybe they've, they've wanted to turn back, they've wanted to quit, but two Christians, you look at their lives, you know they've gotten off the path, they're not where they were. Maybe they're going through some hurt and some pain and, and, and dealing with some things, but I want you to think about two Christians who've gotten off the path and have gotten stuck that, you, that God wants you to pray for, that God wants you to minister to. Again, learn from Job. You may not need to go up and answer all their questions. You know, all Job's friends needed to do was just sit down with Job and listen. That's all they need. And maybe that's all you You just listen. You're just there. Maybe you pray for them, and God gives you Maybe you can hands-on minister to them. But I want you to let God lay two people 
that have gotten off the path that God wants you to guide to get back on the path. And there are a lot of people out there that have gotten in the ditch. And then the last thing I want you to think about is I want you to think about three people. Three people, and I'm using these, you know. I mean, you know, if it's three, if it's four, if it's two, it's okay. But three people that you need to surround yourself with that could hold each other accountable spiritually. Like right now I'm doing Call the Joy. It's me, it's Ed, Calvin, and it's Luke Lewis. And part of that is you go through that, you hold each other accountable spiritually and where you're, where you're growing. But I want you to think about three people. Again, it could be two, it could be four, whatever. I would love to see our Wednesday night, we've tried different things on Wednesday night, but I would love to see our Wednesday night be when two or three hundred people come up here and gather and we gather in groups of three or four or five or two and we're just gathering together to meet, to hold each other accountable, to encourage each other, to pray with each other. We just find three. It doesn't have to be organized and structured by me. The Holy Spirit lays on you two or three people that would be a good group to be an accountability group with you, and you get up here. We don't necessarily need another Bible study. You get a message on Sunday morning. You get one on Sunday night. You get a Sunday school lesson. You may be doing personal Bible study and daily Bible reading. But to have a time where we could get together and say, let's talk about what God's teaching us. Let's look at the sermon. What did God teach us this morning? Let's look at Sunday school. What did God teach us in your personal time? What's God teaching you about himself? What's he showing you? What's he teaching you through that word that may be showing you need to change, you need to let go? Uh, and then maybe you, you tell, hey, let's talk about where we're struggling. Let's talk about work and how things are going there. Let's hold each other accountable for these ones. How are you doing with your one person that you're, how are you doing with these two that you're trying to encourage? How are things going at home with your family, with your grandkids? How are things going? But you just meet together to pray and encourage, to keep each other in the word and to keep each other on track and to encourage each other when we're going through. I'd love to see that happen. Where that's just what we do. It's nothing structured. We just meet all over different places with other people and we pray and we meet in small groups and encourage each other. But I want you to think, who are three people that you think, God, you know, I would enjoy getting with these two or three people and just us meeting together and praying and encouraging each other. Okay, one, two, three, very simple. God has called you to guide other people to Jesus Christ. He's called you to guide people that know Christ to walk in Christ. He's God, you know, iron sharpens iron. He's called us to guide people that are doing well to, to, to do even better, to take others under our wings, to reach out to others. He's called us, he has left us here to be light, to be his hands, his feet, and to guide other people. That's why he's left us here. The path is difficult. Life is hard. It's tough. But that's what God's called us here to do. But one day, it's going to be great. There's not going to be more pain and hurts. But during this little speck, there is going to be. And so we need each other. And so I want you to think, as we come to the time of invitation tonight, I want you to pray specifically, God, lay that one person that needs you on my heart. And Father God, commit. Use me. Let me pray for them. Let me be an example. Let me be light to them. I want you to think about those two people. God, show me wisdom, how to love them, how to care for them, how to encourage them. Maybe it's somebody off the way that all you can do is write an email. But, Father God, I'm going to write in an email, and I'm going to encourage those people and let them know I love them. And, God, show me two or three people that we could meet together and pray for each other, encourage each other to all stay on track, being God's, and all growing. You know, show us that. And then, as always, tonight, 
If anybody doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, receive him tonight. If I was up here and I said, you know, after the service, who's not got their million dollars yet? Right after the service, Brandon's got your voucher for your million dollars. I know two or three of you haven't got it, but go to Brandon. Pick up your million dollars right here at this door. Everybody be to it. But every Sunday we say, after the service, you can come and talk to a minister. And you can talk to them about how to have your sins forgiven and how to live with Christ forever. And if you've never received the gift of Jesus Christ, then during this time or after the service, come and talk to Brandon, myself, Justin, about how you can receive that gift. But during this time of invitation, if that's what you need to do, do so. If you want to become a part of the church, we'd love to have you. But I want to challenge everybody, just where you are at the altar, to pray specifically. Who's about that one that needs to know Christ? Those two you can encourage to get back on track with Christ, and three that maybe you could get with and hold each other accountable. Uh, As whoever's leading us, if you would, let's stand and let's pray and just talk to God about that.